We come back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 as we come closer to the end of our journey through this pastoral epistle. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and today we look at verses 3 through 5. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. And Paul writes, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing but has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Let's pray. Father, we praise you today that we can come together to worship you, and we thank you for your word. And Father, we believe that your word is truth. Heaven and earth will pass away, you said, but my word will never pass away. And I pray, Father, that you would sanctify us today in your truth. And I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight. To you belongs the glory and the honor and the praise, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you go to the doctor because you're not feeling well, you may be asked to give a sample of your blood. And it's really not that big of a deal. The needle's only about that long, and they take out only about a quart, but... After all, you need to find out what's wrong, right? So you give a sample of your blood. And the doctor's office will take the blood sample and send it to pathology to see if you have some kind of disease or sickness. And then the doctor finds out what that report is and he knows how to treat the problem you have. Well, as Paul writes to Timothy in our text, he is performing the duty of what we could call a spiritual pathologist. Uh, he is describing false teaching, and he pictures it as a spiritual disease that must not be allowed to spread. Uh, John MacArthur writes, Every leader in the church should be a spiritual pathologist able to discern deviations from spiritual health. Only then will he be equipped to diagnose the deadly disease of false teaching and to do what is necessary to check its spread among his people. So what is the pathology of a false teacher? How do you recognize false teaching? Well, first of all, notice that false teachers proclaim a different doctrine. Now, I find it interesting that many people today think that doctrine really isn't all that important. Met people like that? In fact, they pride themselves in the fact that they de-emphasize doctrine. You hear some people say, we don't preach doctrine in our church. We just 
tell people how they can live a better life. As you go to some churches and you'll have sermons like seven steps to being a better father or nine steps to peace in your heart and, and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with having peace in your heart or being a better father. But it's, it's kind of like it's this whole thing that we're just here to help you to live a better life. Doctrine really isn't important. And so we de-emphasize a doctrine. If you examine Paul's letters to Timothy you will notice that he has much to say about doctrine. Over and over he talks about sound teaching or sound doctrine. And if you look at our text here today, he helps to identify doctrine that isn't sound. We need to understand what kind of teaching does not honor Jesus. And Paul describes that here. He says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. Now, the word translated sound is the word that from which we get our English word hygiene, interestingly enough. And so sound words are healthy words. They are spiritually wholesome words. And Paul says that false teachers do not agree with these words, these sound words, these healthy words, but rather they teach a different Doctrine. Instead of being orthodox, they are heterodox. That's actually the word that is translated different. Heterodox. It is not orthodox teaching. It is a different doctrine. And he defines that in two ways. It is a rejection of the words of Jesus. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, when Paul talks about the words of Jesus, uh, it's more than just the red letter words that you find in the Gospels. Uh, this is a phrase that Paul uses to describe the Scriptures. In other words, they do not agree with the teaching of the Word of God. One author says false teachers are not committed to Scripture. They may speak of Jesus and of the Father, but the heart of their ministry will not be the Word of God. They will either add to it, they will take away from it, they will interpret in some heretical fashion, add other revelations to it, or deny it altogether. I have a friend who attended a Bible study at a church for several months, and he said they called it a Bible study, but they really didn't study the Bible. <laughs> And finally, he had a visit with the Bible study leader. And they were discussing things of theology. And, and the Bible study leader said, No, I don't want you to quote the Bible. And my friend said, Well, if we call this a Bible study, why do you not want me to quote the Bible? I just want to know what you believe. Well, what I believe is what the Bible teaches. I wish that were uncommon. 
But in our culture today, it isn't. Uh, many people have uh, views of God and views of things and views of Jesus that are not rooted in Scripture. But, you know, here's what I think and that's, here's what you think. I guess you can think what you think. Here's what I think. With no foundation whatsoever. That's the sad thing about our culture today. There is a rejection of the scriptures, a rejection of the words of Jesus. And then he goes on to describe it as not just rejecting those words of Jesus, but he goes on to say, the doctrine conforming to godliness. A rejection of the doctrine conforming to godliness. You see, teaching that is in accordance with the Scriptures both commands and produces godliness. True teaching of the Word of God changes people's lives. When the Gospel comes in, the true Word of God comes into a person's life, it changes him or her. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And anybody that would say that you don't need to live a a godly life as a believer in Jesus is teaching a different doctrine. Because true doctrine conforms to godliness. The Life Application Bible Commentary says, Whereas sound instruction can refer to the transmission of knowledge and understanding, godly teaching points to practical action. Godly teaching exposes believers to timely application of the timeless truths of sound instruction. So true scriptural teaching changes a person's life. And don't let anybody else tell you differently. There are people that say, oh, I believe in Jesus. He's my Savior. Their life has not changed one iota. (laughs) Oh, no. The doctrine that conforms to godliness. Matthew 7 was read this morning. Talks about false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What did Jesus say? You will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. And if they are not producing the fruit of godliness in their life, they are not of God. True scriptural teaching produces godliness. So false teachers proclaim a different doctrine. Not the words of Jesus, And not those that change lives. Notice, secondly, false teachers not only proclaim a different doctrine, but they portray a prideful attitude. Paul goes on to say that those who do not agree with sound teaching, those words of Jesus, and with the doctrine that conforms to godliness, Paul says that such a one is conceited. Verse 4. And understands nothing. You see, at the root of false teaching is an amazing attitude of arrogance. Instead of placing themselves under the authority of the Word of God, false teachers place themselves above the Word of God. They have the arrogance to disagree with Jesus. Think of that. 
The arrogance to say that my thinking, my theology, my understanding is, I'm, I'm smarter than Jesus. Because what does Paul describe them? They do not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ. One author says to set one's own teaching up as superior to the word of God is the epitome of arrogance, isn't it? To put yourself above the authority of the word of God, that is the epitome of arrogance. Because if this word is God's word, we bow to its authority. We stand under the authority of God's word. And if we do not agree with that scripture, then we change our theology. Because we believe that this is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God. And we stand under the authority of scripture. The word translated conceited in verse 4 It gives us an interesting picture of the pride of false teacher. It carries the idea of being puffed up like a cloud of smoke. In English slang, we would describe such a person as blowing smoke or as someone who is full of hot air. Paul says you can't believe what the false teacher says because he understands nothing. Anyone who thinks he is smarter than God proves just how foolish he is. Instead of focusing on the truth, Paul goes on to say that false teachers have a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words. These people have a spiritual disease because the word morbid means literally sick. Could translate it this way, he has a sick interest in controversial questions and disputes about words. Our Kent Hughes puts it this way. He says, when you crave controversy and word battles, You are spiritually sick. He said, I've spent endless hours with such people who cannot or will not grasp the plain meaning of a sentence or a paragraph in its context, but rather fix on a word or soundbite and give it a definition that defies lexicons, history, and logic. He says, nothing dissuades them, nothing informs them, They understand nothing and they enjoy it. A sick interest in disputes about words and controversial questions. You know what comes to my mind? You go back to Genesis chapter 1, you talk about the days of creation. How is the word day used there? There was evening and there was morning, the first day. And then there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Think the writer's trying to make a point. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. 
Now, if you let the text speak for itself in plain language, how do you think Moses is, is using the word day? Evening. Morning. Gotta be millions of years, right? Well, that's what people are trying to force into the text. And they dispute, what does the word day really mean there? Well, you know, the word day is used in in many different ways. Like back in my day, that's not a 24-hour day. Or like the days of Abraham, that's more than a 24-hour day. You see, the word day can be used in, in other ways besides a day as we know it today. Well, duh, yeah. But that's not the point. The point is, how is it being used in Genesis 1? Evening, morning, the first day. And so there's all these arguments, and and you have many Christian colleges today that will not stand on six-day creation. Why? Because the scientific community disagrees with that, and we don't want to look dumb, so we'll just somehow, you know, fit evolution into Genesis chapter 1. There's an example of what Paul is talking about here. A sick interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, where that word is clearly defined right in the text. Let's let the Bible speak for itself. Let's not force into it something that isn't there. Evening and morning the first day. So false teachers proclaim a different doctrine. False teachers proclaim or portray a prideful attitude. And then thirdly, notice the result. False teachers produce a divided assembly. False teachers bring division. When people have a morbid or a sick interest In controversial questions and disputes about words, it will surely result in division. Notice what Paul goes on to say. He has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which, there is result, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction. Constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth. Now you can see how disputes about words results in division. Ever seen a theological argument where people are disputing about something? The flesh gets in there. When there's a dispute, someone wins, someone loses, and then there's envy, and then there's strife. And there's abusive language, evil suspicions, constant friction. People no longer just disagree, they become disagreeable. And there's a difference, isn't there? And it gets nasty. Verse 5 says, constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth. Notice how this whole theme of sickness carries through this, this passage. When someone rejects sound words or healthy words, he has a morbid or a sick interest 
in controversial questions. And the end result is a depraved mind. And the word depraved pictures something that is rotting or decaying. So you reject sound teaching, a sick interest in disputes about words and controversial questions, and what is the result? A depraved mind, a mind that is rotting and decaying. So do you see why it's important that we recognize false teaching? It is like a disease. It is like a sickness that spreads and, and causes the minds of people to rot and to decay. And those people that say, we don't teach doctrine, shame on them. Shame on them. God's word is clear. I think of the Berean Christians in Acts chapter 17. Remember them? As Paul came and he was arguing with them from the scriptures as to who Jesus was. And we are told of these Bereans that they search the scriptures daily to see whether the things that Paul said were true. So that's our challenge, isn't it? As we live in a culture that, that is, is abandoning truth, we need to sift what we hear. We need to sift what we read with the scriptures. We need to say, is this really what the Bible says? Is this really what the Bible teaches? And it's vital. It's important. Because when we start taking into our mind things that are not consistent with the word of God, that is like a disease that will spread and our minds will begin to rot and decay. And you know what happens when there's disease, when there's sickness? It spreads, doesn't it? It spreads. Our family in the last few months has gone through quite a bit of that. The grandkids, one gets it, and the other gets it, and then the other gets it, and then the cousins get it, and it's just like, woo, it has a way of spreading. And so false teaching is like that, and that's why Paul is telling Timothy, you've got you to understand this. You need to recognize this. You need to confront this. Because if you don't, it'll spread. So we need to be alert to false teaching. And I don't mean just the obvious sources like the cults, because that's one thing. But how about from ministries that would still claim to be Christian, but are drifting? Really not standing on the Word of God. False teaching is a spiritual disease. It leads to spiritual death. And if it is left unchecked, it'll spread. And many more will be drawn away from the truth. Let's pray. Father, help us to recognize different doctrines. Teaching that is not in accordance with the words of Jesus. Teaching that does not conform to godliness. Teaching that has a sick interest in 
battles about words and controversial questions that results in all kinds of division. Oh God, as we seek to honor you and your word, as we together, like the Bereans, would hunger and thirst for your word. It is your word that unites us. It is your word that brings us together. It is seeking you, Lord Jesus, that brings unity. So help us to be Berean Bible believers, searching the scriptures, to see if what we read and what we hear is true. And to you be the glory, the honor, and the praise. For it is in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.